0: Hey, Life Canton, Roger here, Director of Student and Young Adult Ministries, and I'm just so glad that you're with us, listening to us, whether you're a returning listener or a brand new one. Uh, if you are a brand new listener, be sure to like, subscribe, follow, all of that. And if you are newer to our church, I want to just remind you that uh, we believe that you belong and we want to get you connected. So be sure to head over to our church center app or our Life Canton uh, forward slash uh, now page to fill out a connect card. Let us know who you are and let us help you get connected. Uh, We are in our week three of our series Radical Generosity. This week you'll hear Pastor Nathan talk about uh, Jesus, (laughs) specifically talk about what the cross has to do with generosity uh, and how it impacts our generosity. So give that a listen and I'll catch up with you in just a few.
1: I'm so glad you're here. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors, and uh, I think we have a special day um, today, Uh, one that I hope births inside of you gratitude and joy and love for Jesus. And that's really what this series has all been about, is about our heart. We're talking about generosity. We're talking about money. And really, we're talking about our heart and how God wants to free us. This is our third week in this series. I encourage you to go ahead and check that out. We started off by presenting a position paper. And a position paper, if you're new, if you're joining us for the first time online or you're in the room, is something that we learned was necessary during the pandemic and all the political and and, 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 uh, troubles in our community uh, as we wanted to make sure that people understood clearly what we mean when we talk about politics, what we mean when we talk about justice, what we mean when we talk about sexuality, you know, real easy things to talk about. And today we're talking about money. And so that paper we presented, you can find that online. It's a great resource and something that we use to keep ourselves accountable and so that you know what we're talking about when we say certain things on the stage. Clarity in our world is, is so necessary. One of the quotes that we'll be focusing in on today from that position paper is this. Consistent obedience leads to gratitude, which leads to radical generosity. Consistent obedience leads to gratitude, which we've talked about today, which leads to radical generosity. Last week, I thought it was so helpful for us to hear from some of our staff that aren't normally on stage, uh, and they got to talk about their perception of money, their encounter with it. And so I want to continue it and and hear from them again.
2: Yeah, I would say from scarcity to abundance, not enough to there's enough, there's more than enough, and... If we can be wise with it and learn how to um, let God walk with us through, you know, learning how to navigate not just the nuts and bolts of giving, but um, the mindset towards giving. God provides. So I'm always going to have. And I'm always going to have what I need because He's the one that gives it. And I'm confident that He's going to give it. And it comes
3: so again guarded about giving and the weight is on my shoulders to carry and so god had to kind of release me from carrying that weight if i if i put that right um and just took me on a journey of allowing him to provide for me when i thought the weight was on my shoulders so he shifted my life he shifted things so that i was um Um, I couldn't work the hours that I was before, which meant that we had to live on less. And oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? Panic goes over my mind as a single mom, yet God provided. And frankly, I felt like we were more at peace.
2: Like giving in the church, giving to God is not about receiving something in return. And so when you're just giving out of that heart posture of generosity, I think the hard part is watching the money (laughs) go away and not expecting anything in return, right? It's not about a transaction. And a lot of times money is related to transactions, but giving to God is not about a transaction. It's not, oh, I give so that God blesses me in return. That's not a vending machine. That's not how it works. It's not about, I will give and then God's going to make my health situation better, God's going to change the circumstances I'm in. It's not about that. That's not at all what giving is about. Once I can confront the lie of scarcity, I can step into the joy of abundance and trust that God will provide.
3: So much so that um, at this point in my life, I feel like I can truly fall back. And I have, um, dare I say, a husbandly owner, who is my provider and who provides very well for me and the kids. So I don't see my money as mine anymore, nor is it my responsibility to work super hard and make sure I make ends meet, but I have a sense of peace and a sense of trust that God will provide, and He always has. And so that I think that's that's built a trust in me and it's changed my view of money entirely.
2: And I think learning to prioritize things too, like there's a discipline in this. It's not just what I feel. And that's been part of what has trained my mindset is um, I have to work with how I feel about it. But then after that, I need discipline to train myself a different way of feeling and different way of being. Because of how I grew and the small means that we had to grow with, start small. And sounds funny, but start small with trusting God. Give him the little and watch him turn it into much. And if you truly trust him with giving him little by little, he's going to
1: prove his word to you. He's going to show himself as Jaira. I love hearing from them. One of the things uh, I heard one of them say was, Uh, When I confront the lie of scarcity, then I can step into the joy of abundance. And scarcity mindset, the idea that there's never enough, is something that plagues all of us, that many of us have to work with. And Paul, in 2 Corinthians 8, is actually speaking to a group of people. And he takes individuals called the Macedonians and he says, look how generous they were when in fact they did have almost nothing. And Jared ended with this verse, and I want to pick up right where he left off in 2 Corinthians 8, 8. I am not commanding you, he's talking about giving, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. This is a strong line from Paul. He's not saying, I'm not commanding you to give, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it to the earnestness of the Macedonians, who in great poverty gave more than they were able to do. He's using the Macedonians to speak to this group of people and, frankly, to speak to us. And he's expressing that their radical generosity in the face of poverty brings glory to God. Or Paul pointed out that their passion for Jesus With it, they purchased a provision for the Jerusalem church, transforming their poverty into praise. And what we've learned so far is that generosity is the only response to scarcity, to poverty that provides freedom. There was a time in my life where I was in poverty. (laughs) Um, I I had the amazing opportunity to go to college, but had no funds, no loans were available to me. It's a long story, but essentially, I had to work my way through college. And uh, I worked 60 hours a week and went to school full time. And um, I lived off campus, so I was kind of isolated and alone, and I was saving money anytime I could. And things just kept progressing and getting worse and worse and worse uh, to the point where I wasn't really eating very well. I was too proud to go to people to ask for help. So I wasn't really eating, but I was in college, and during that time, I don't know if you were in college or that young part in your life, you're like, there are people of the opposite gender that you want to oppress, right? And I had no money, so I was just working out all the time, and if you work out all the time but don't have the nutrition, things happened, and so my health was deteriorating, and I was getting injured, and I barely had enough money to put gas in the car to go to work, much less to eat. And I know some of you know exactly what that feels like. And if you've heard my story um, at this point, it's probably the worst year of my life, and I was depressed, I was having problems, and I had this vibrant relationship with Jesus, but during this season, it was like he was gone, like I couldn't feel him. So I'd go to church and walk through the motions, and I'd raise my hands, kind of like that song we just sang, and I'd praise God, though I felt nothing. I praised him even just out of obedience, And it produced really good things inside of me. But I wasn't giving. I didn't have enough. In fact, I did give once in a while. But when I was at a sermon, I heard a sermon, or they talked about something that was inspiring, or someone had less than me, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to give. So out of an inspiration, out of this response moment, I gave. Now, I had what I needed, basically, and God provided, and he was faithful but I was absolutely anxious about money constantly. That waking up in the middle of the night and having a feeling of terror, like, wait a minute, when was that bill due? Was that bill due today, or do I have a week, or how long is the check going to take to get there? And, and can I get money into the bank before the check gets received by them so it's postdated at the right time so that it shows, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I was giving to God. But I wasn't free. I was in scarcity so much. And Paul is going to build on this concept. And he's not going to just talk about those who give within poverty, but he's going to talk about those who should give when they have abundance. And 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is going to be the main verse we're going to be in today. And it says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Know the grace. Today... I need to remind you of the grace of Jesus Christ. Today, and especially weeks like I've had this week, I need to be reminded of the grace of Jesus Christ, that he loved us, that he cared for us, that he died for us so that we might have life. You need to be reminded of this daily and especially today. It is the very core of who we are as people. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the abundant life that it gave us is the core of who we are. If this is just a religion about doing moral things and being good people, forget it. I've wasted my life if that's what this is. But it's about grace and eternity and salvation and joy. It is supreme, a supreme grace know this grace. Christ was a supreme example of generosity. He gave his life so that you may live. Anyone excited about that? Yeah. It should produce something inside of us. He has now, Paul, very artfully said, hey, I'm going to compare the Macedonians to what you're doing. They have, no, they have nothing, <laughs> and they gave, and now I'm going to set up Jesus as someone who gave everything when he had everything. One scholar said, if the sacrificial giving of the Macedonians did not stimulate emulation, meaning if the sacrificial giving of the Macedonians didn't cause them to do anything, then Paul said the example of Christ's selflessness Certainly would. So Paul is very intentionally getting at our heartstrings and saying, okay, so you don't have, you don't think you have enough? Well, the Macedonians gave everything. Okay, so you have enough? Well, Christ gave it all. And he is setting us in between those two experiences. Second Corinthians eight, nine continues and he talks about he became poor. He became poor. Jesus who? He became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yet for your sake he became poor. Is this referring to the fact that Jesus died for us? No. It's not. It's actually referring to something else. You see, the amazingness of what we have experienced is that God became man. Did you know that Jesus did not only give up his life for us, but his form? That he was the limitless God. He was spirit. He still was God and fully man, but he chose to be in this form. Jesus was rich in power and spiritual blessings. He was omnipresent and omniscient. He was all of those things. And yet he became limited like us. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says it this way, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself, what does that word say? Nothing. Nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant. How? By being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. He made himself nothing. Have you considered what God gave up to be born into this world? That's not something that I think about very often. I I love Easter. I love Easter Easter, because that's the death and that's the resurrection. That's my life. And often with Christmas, I'm like, yay, baby, cool. This is exciting. I love it. Let's give gifts. But what if the greatest sacrifice Jesus ever gave was giving up his form to become human? What if that was the biggest thing he ever did? What, was that? what if that was the most abundant generosity Jesus ever gave? He emptied himself, chose to become like his creation. I don't think we can understand this. We're human, so our brains can't understand the vastness of God and his fullness and what it would take to give that up. I don't think we can. I don't know if we ever will. Maybe we'll explore that for the rest of our days with Jesus. But I thought of it like this. It's like the master composer of the symphony with hundreds of instruments and hundreds of parts, massive and a choir and all of that. It's like he became, he made all of this, but he became not just a single note played by one instrument, but just the ink on a page, a quarter note in the symphony. That's not even close to the scale of what he gave up. It's like the painter becoming the paint on a single stroke on the masterpiece of creation. He was the word of God and creation was made through him. And he became forever a man. He was supreme and supremely radical in his generosity. No name like him and yet he became a created thing. And one of the things we don't really think about in the fact is like Jesus died, but he was resurrected, right? And he had a new body, but Jesus became a man and he still is. He was glorified. He had received a new body, but he ascended to heaven. This is something he gave up for what seems like forever. This is abundant riches that he gave for you. Why? So that you in your poverty could become rich, one of the quotes from our paper says this, Jesus gave every bit of himself on the cross and is consistent in his faithful grace to us daily. Every day his grace and mercy are new. So, return to 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. He gave everything so that you would receive abundant, supreme grace. And I want you to be inspired by this realization. You will never be as rich as Christ. And you likely will never be as poor as the Macedonians. But your role is the same. God has called you to respond to this grace, to dwell on it, to think of these verses and to dwell on them, and to cause that to make you think and expand your mind and try to grasp how big and wide and good God is. Because when you do, when you try to grasp it, the inspiration changes you and you become generous. Jesus' grace is never-ending and is consistent. He is supreme. He is first. He is all grace. He is all inspiration. And knowing him changes you. It changes you, who you are at a fundamental level, knowing him. And so if Jesus gave us all for us, what is our response but to give it back to him, to give everything to him? Do you remember this, this hymn? All to Jesus I surrender, all to Thee I freely give. You can sing with me if you know it. If you don't, that's fine. I will ever love and trust You in Your presence daily living. I surrender. I surrender all, I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. If you're a church, we've forgotten, though, the grace of Jesus. And so we can only sing. I surrender some. I surrender some. Some to Jesus I surrender I surrender some. 2 Corinthians 8, 8-9. Eight I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through you, his poverty you might become rich. Jared has shared this story, and last week he talked about it, about how I called him to greater accountability, where I said, like, hey, if you're going to come here and you're going to be part of us, you got to tie. And he's been telling his side of the story, and I want to tell my side of the story. <laughs> he keeps saying it all the time, and I'm just sitting there having to listen to him talk to me. You know? But it's interesting, until he shared that story, I, I I didn't really understand what was going on in him. Because from my perspective, I was sharing with him about the vision of what's happening. And I said, look, you're going to be a partner. And what it means to be a partner is that you do all of these six code commitments. And one of them means that you're going to tithe. I walked through every single one. And when we got to whatever it takes, wherever it takes us, I shared it with him. And in this moment, as he describes it, this is a moment that he changed him. But for me, I didn't see anything happen on his face whatsoever. There was no pushback. There was no conversation. We were done, and it was good. Like, okay, we have understanding. But that little moment of accountability changed him. And the Holy Spirit, I think, is the one who's doing the work that only a desire for the sake of the mission of what we were doing here would cause him to be obedient to the rules of this house. And he chose it. I don't know what happened in those conversations. I can only take from what he said. But in my perspective, he showed up and started running. But to know what God had to do in Jared and Danny's life, they chose to lead their hearts to where they weren't. That is the power of obedience. The resulting difficult choice to reorder their life around the tithe created a change that bore so much fruit. One of our lines, which by the way, Jared wrote with me, that we wrote this together, says when we engage in this heart-leading discipline, we begin to reclaim the truth that all of our money and possessions are, in fact, God's. His testimony, do you understand it's a testimony. It's a story of the power of Jesus Christ to make old things new. It's healing. He received healing in his mind and freedom. Listen, here's what I want you to know, what I have learned over and over and over again, no matter how much money you make, how much more that you have, it will not stop the anxiety. I can guarantee it. It will always not be enough. Rockefeller, one of the richest people in all of human history, when he was asked, how much more do you need to make? Do you know what he said? He smirked and said, a little bit more. This heart-leading discipline that transformed so many people's lives is called the tithe. And the tithe is 10% of everything you make or receive. That's interesting. I talk to people about this. This, The idea of the tithe or taking it out from the very beginning is something that another organization has figured out and has owned and does so well with it, the government. They take your money before you even know you have it. Yeah? And so so much of us will go, well, whatever I get back from after the government takes and after all these things, take, then I'll tithe off of that. And you're like, no, it's off the top. It's off the beginning. Do you want to give God what you have left over or what you have first? The tithe is so important. Jesus' grace was supreme, and he gave everything. He asked us to give back to him for our good. Do you understand that? For our good, for freedom, for joy. I'm not even talking about the mission of what God has laid on this church right now. It's part of it. It's huge. But right now, I'm just talking about your heart. Only your heart. During our sermon review, where we preached this on Wednesday, one of our staff said, What if Jesus only gave 10% of his salvation he could have given to us? And I was like, oh, that hurt. I don't like that. (laughs) That hurts. What if he hadn't given everything? It's a good question to ask. But here's my main point that I want you to hear from me today. And know that this is out of heart and experience, And through the Holy Spirit and his word, the one thing I want you to know is that the discipline of the tithe results in freedom. In fact, the tithe or 10% of everything you make is the training wheels to freedom. It steadies you. It helps you get in the place where you need to be so that you can be free. It's the beginning, not the end. It's the beginning of the race, not the finish line. And on that journey, there is joy and there is power And there is settled assurance and a feeling of trust in God. I learned to do this early. I didn't just give when I was inspired. Eventually, I learned to get into the discipline of the tithe. And Jenna and I got married, and we worked our way. And here's what I said. We always stretched ourselves beyond what we were ready to do. We kept doing it both when we were poor and in so much debt, and it was just bad. But you know what? We learned the discipline of the tithe. And when we did that, and in that moment is when freedom entered our hearts. And I will never trade that freedom for anything this world may offer because it is healing. Obedience is doing something even though you don't know what is good for you. And for us, we understand. Students, you get this. Like sometimes people tell you you gotta do things and you're like, you have no idea why that's good for you. You're like, but you have to trust them whether you want to or not. Sometimes you have to trust that people know what is good for you You might not have full understanding or any understanding the good it will produce. And somehow we think that once we hit that magical age of 18 or 21 or whatever you want to call it, that we don't need to continue the process of maturation, of growth in freedom by saying, hey, this is what obedience looks like. And you're like, nope, you don't know me. You don't know my situation. And what we can understand is good for our students. We can't understand is good for us as disciples and students of Jesus. God is leading our heart. What did Frantz say in that video at the beginning? He is Jira, which means God is provider. He said, let him prove himself. Now, I want to build a little bit on what Jared accomplished. God, I'm going to give my side of the story. See, I didn't know what was going on with Jared But he went from this scarcity mentality and started to change. And and what you may not understand is that only a few years later, he proposed and he was became inspired to lead himself through growing to 12% on his own so that he can inspire all of our partners to do that through the Grow by Two experience, through that moment. That was his inspiration. Do you understand the significance of the transformation? He reclaimed his identity in Jesus, experienced freedom, and said, I want everyone to experience this same transformation that I had, this same freedom. Do you understand what I felt? And now I feel like this. I want to give it away. So he reclaimed his identity in Jesus, and then he bore that light, that torch of Christ's justice and love to all of us. That is our vision as a church. This is who we are. Listen to me. Only God can shake decades of learned behavior at its root to produce a light that shines into others' lives. Only God has started with obedience. It is for your good and God's glory that you embrace the heart-leading discipline of the tithe that will lead you to freedom and abundance. And every story I have heard of those who tithe, every single one they gave before their heart was fully in agreement. And I have zero worries. I have zero fear. I have zero anxiety right now. There's no worry about how you think of me right now because I am so confident in the goodness of Jesus Christ and that we need to put all of our hope and trust in him that I can call you to this. And I have zero worries because I have abundant faith in Jesus When you do and you become generous, you look just like Jesus. You look just like him. And it gives so much joy to the Father. Now I'm going to move you to the point where I'm going to give you some action steps. And this is what I want you to do. My heart for every one of you is that you fulfill the code commitment that you tithe 10% to this church and then you grow in generosity beyond this church like crazy, that's our goal for every one of you. But we do know that it's a journey. And so today, if you've never given and you're like, man, I'm kind of inspired by what you're talking about. I'm inspired by what Jesus did for me. Give for the first time. Do that. It is a good thing. It is part of my journey towards where I am now. And it can be part of yours. So give. Second, if you've already given because you were inspired at some point or you're here because of where we stand on some of those issues, give again. Give again. Give again. And it may be because, yeah, I'm still inspired. I want to keep giving. Keep doing that. That will move you. But what we're really calling people to begin in this series is to begin to give consistently to a discipline of obedience that stretches you. And I don't know what that number is. God hasn't given me the number for every person in the room or for all of us. But I do know that God has called you to stretch your obedience into this moment, stretch into it. We're calling everyone to give. And if you've never given consistently, saying like, hey, I'm gonna give $10 a week or whatever that number is, I'm gonna give a certain amount a month, begin that journey. And if you do give consistently and you give at this level, find out what percentage that is. Find out how much that is and grow in it. For those of our partners who have chosen to do this and have even increased to 12%, thank you. In fact, thank every single One of you. The only thing I'll say about this is that this, this is about your heart. But the effect of what you do goes beyond your heart and it transforms our community. So I'm calling each of you to take care of this house, take care of us as people by being invested. I want to end with some scripture. And then I'm going to pray for those who need to follow Jesus with their whole heart today. I encourage you to choose now what you will do. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory full of grace and truth. For his grace has appeared bringing salvation for all people. This is not your doing. It is a gift of God. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. But he gives more grace. God is able to make all grace abound in you so that you have sufficiently in all things at all times, so that you would abound in every good work as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Christ's supreme grace to us must now abound in heart-leading generosity. Will you stand with me? As we pray, I'm going to give people an invitation to follow Jesus, to follow this grace. And you've actually seen the cost on the other side. But the cost is for your freedom. And the same way that the cost at the beginning to experience the joy of salvation is to let your life go and to follow Jesus. And I believe that there are people online and in this room who need to reclaim that in themselves. Maybe you followed Jesus before and you need to reclaim it, but maybe you need to follow him for the very first time. I invite you to pray with me. Close your eyes. Maybe open up your hands. This is a prayer for all of us, for those who need to follow him, but need to be reminded of the grace so that we would respond and look like Jesus in our generosity. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would bring the conviction, the joy, and the peace necessary to give up something so that we can find you. For those who want to follow Jesus with their life, it means laying it down. So pray something like this. Talk to him. Speak to him. He is here. He's been waiting a long time. You can say something like this. God, I lay my life down so I can pick up yours. I cannot save myself from my brokenness, my sin, my pain. Jesus, you can. So today I choose you. I choose to follow you. Take my life and lead me forward.
0: welcome back i hope you enjoyed that message Uh, like pastor nathan reminded us on the cross uh, jesus gave it all and because he did that for us that is something that motivates us and begins to turn our hearts towards extreme generosity or radical generosity Uh, so i hope that this week you see opportunities uh, to just be generous um, and that you are reminded of the cross and all that jesus did that motivates you Uh, if you need any prayer requests Uh, feel free to, or or rather please reach out, Uh, we want to pray with you we want to connect to you, again use the Connect Card Church Center app Uh, if you haven't yet, be sure to download that app, that's going to be a great way for you to stay on top of what's going on at the church, you can sign up for different uh, things, you can check out groups, you can check out our calendar uh, you can check out the Connect Card so be sure to download the Church Center app because that's going to be a great way for you to get plugged in Um, but I hope you have a blessed week, uh, a wonderful week Uh, in a week where your heart is turned towards generosity. We'll see you real soon. Bye.